it's a great bit on her part to like go make them sit through a three hour story about her fucking some kid. And then she throws the diamond in the ocean and dies. That's actually iconic. Actually iconic. A truly iconic bit. Good for her. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. And I'm Steve Parkers. And we are coming at you today, near, far, wherever you are. I'm not going to sing it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, no need to apologize. I think that's for the best. Hey! It's just, it's, it's Celine. No one, you no can, one can possibly. Celine. But uh, anyway. Whitney Houston maybe <laughs> could. She was the only one. Oh, well, yeah. Sorry, Celine. But like, yeah, Whitney is the all-time queen. Anyway. Oh, you don't think Titanic is a classic 90s action movie? Well, you can drown in steerage, you peasant. Because Jesus. it totally is. <laughs> I feel uh, like that was aimed directly at me. It wasn't. I happened to be looking at you, but... Yeah, uh, you were making a, a direct eye contact. contact. No, actually, I was reading from my notes. Mm, oh, <laughs> Listeners. Okay. Uh, listener. Um, <laughs> I am. But, uh, yeah, James Cameron's 1997 Titanic is among many other things an action movie and we're going to talk about how great that is and i do honestly i know you weren't aiming that at me but i do sort of feel like it was deserved a bit because at first i was skeptical when oh you, yeah you didn't super want to do this well it's more just that i wasn't sure that it was it, it kind of fit the bill yeah. and watching it again it does at least Half of it Right. Does. So, like, we're both correct and incorrect <laughs> at the same, or at different times, sure. honestly. Because, yes, the first half of Titanic is not really an action movie. It's a romantic uh, melodrama. Basically. But then, you know, literally at the halfway point. At the exact halfway point. We we looked at it on the, on, on the little streaming thing. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It was on Netflix when we originally wanted to do this. And then yeah. and who knows where it'll be next month. No HBO, idea. Paramount Plus, fucking Peacock. Like, Who's this to say? worth owning. I don't know if, like, yes, you can get... Yes, but... Oh, only if you own it on the original two VHS pack. Oh, agreed. That was how I saw this. That was how everyone saw this. You didn't. You saw this in theaters, though. and on the VHS well, pack. Of I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I did actually see it in the our local one screen Pittsfield theater. Just playing Titanic with the six m- times a day. Uh, no, once oh, you couldn't because it's three it's, and a half hours long. Not only that, but the local theater only had one screening per day oh. uh, at seven o'clock or maybe seven. 30, as I recall, uh, and it was one speaker, one big mono speaker in front. I've seen uh, a movie in a town like that yeah. in Marshfield, Wisconsin. I saw Spider-Man Homecoming. Wow, really? Yeah, Interesting. I was doing the, the Centerville the, the, stuff, sure. and uh, I just kind of wanted, wanted to give to myself a, a break. Sure. But it was that exact sort of yeah. like... Just this old... Uh, we are getting off track immediately, but that theater was the only community-run theater in the country for a while. Oh wow! Uh, as far as I know, it has closed down, which is very sad. Mm. It was it was a real crummy theater, but it had charm. Yeah, uh, and it was actually like the taxpayers paid for the theater, like it was run by the the oh, town. That sounds like communism to me. Uh, a little bit. Uh, tickets were three dollars. 
Whoa. Right up for years, even after I left. I think they did go up to $5 for a bit before uh, yeah. it shut down. But uh, yeah, RIP to the... So did you guys have to choose... Again, we are getting very off track Very here. off track. But you know what? Titanic is three and a half hours. We can... We, we can, can take digress. a little tangent yeah. of our own, yeah. why don't we? This this episode will not be three and a half hours long to match. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, you never know. But uh, so did you, did, like, was there a Pittsfield, like, community board that chose the movies that screened, like? No, I believe there was, so my friend, Matt, worked at the theater yeah. for years, and it was run by this woman whose name I don't recall, a uh, lovely woman, and I think Shout she out to was that woman. That, that lady. Uh, I think it was just kind of up to her, uh, and usually what would happen is we would get movies about a month or two after they premiered mm, uh, nationwide. Sure. So you would, if you wanted to see a brand new movie opening night, you had to go, you to, had to, go up to Bangor or Waterville. Waterville. Uh, right. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> My God. The place I've been to once. It's more than most people. But if you were willing to wait, just give it a month, six weeks, and then you could see the latest Tim Burton movie or James Cameron movie or whatever. And it was only three bucks. What and just th- don't go on Friday nights because that's when oh, the I eighth would- graders oh. just ruined oh, everybody's night. no. Yeah. You were not in eighth grade when this movie came out. You were in what, like seventh grade? Yeah, I was 12. Yeah. A uh, formative experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, getting back on track. Um, Kate Winslet. You, you, you got to see a booby. I got to see two boobies. Two boobies. Two great, great boobies. They're great boobies. I mean, she's shout out to Kate Winslet. She's a dish as uh, she is. Old her she looks amazing it. in this. Although yeah. it is funny because DiCaprio is actually a year older. I did not realize this until looking this up. He is actually a year older than Kate Winslet, but he looks like five years younger than her in this movie. He does look like a very young man, like 18, uh, yeah, 19 he could at the be, most. He could have still played a teen if he wanted to. Absolutely. And, and he just had he in just Romeo had. plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet. Baz Luhrmann. Only a few years before that, he'd done like What's Eating Gilbert Grape mm-hmm. and The Basketball Diaries. And like he yeah. was a baby. Yeah. Whereas Kate Winslet looks 30 years. She looks amazing in this. Don't get me wrong. She looks like a a renaissance painting. Yeah. She looks incredible, but she looks 30 years old. She's, She's 22, fascinating, 21. A fascinating, I had no idea she was only 21 when, That's and I crazy. feel like kind of a creep now. Right. I mean, you know, I was 12 at you the were time, 12, so but like, even now yeah. kind of leering, just like, oh yeah, Kate Winslet. And it's just like, oh God, she's 21. But she looks 30. But she's 30. She looks 30 years old in this movie. Again, an incredible, an incredible 30. 30. And yeah. she's looked the same ever since. Yeah. She's, she's been 34 for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and God shout bless. out to her. She's she's amazing. She's yeah. so good in this. Like we can get into like some of the critiques that were lobbed. So let's preface uh, before we get into those critiques. I kind of want to talk about uh, our experiences the first yes, time we yes. saw this. I know we kind of brushed on mine a little bit, but uh, I want to get into like the reception and and mm-hmm. kind of our own reactions to it. So let's hear your first experience with Titanic. I don't know how I made my parents let me watch this with them. I know they like had rented it so that they could watch it because uh, every everyone. that's what everyone yeah. did. I was ten years old when the movie came out in theaters, so I was eleven or twelve maybe when we when. And we finally got the the box set sure. <laughs> and blockbuster. So I do remember vividly 
sitting at the foot of my parents' bed, watching on the TV in their room, because this is where we watched it so as to not like awaken my younger brother and sister. Sure. Because this is a very loud movie, even mm. though like we didn't have... You just had was, the TV. This was just a TV, yep. but like it's still kind of a loud movie sure. and you don't. But then I remember just bolting out of the room when the titties, <laughs> like it Did was so excruciating. Did your parents so tell you to they leave? They didn't have to. Oh like such God. was the fear on me. Oh of like God. having seen and I like kind of crept back in but uh I, I don't think I saw the full movie until like a sleepover wow like really a couple years after like now was this sort of that classic 90s you were you said like 12 ish 11 like, or 12 was everyone freaking out about DiCaprio at that point? I went to a very small Montessori school through sixth grade. Congratulations. Uh, and it was horrible for my social development. <laughs> and uh, like it truly set me back like really, really far because there were only, there was only one other girl in my grade. Oh, shit. And like three boys or something. And the rest of the school was similarly like extremely small. So, you know. Just too she, many dummies in Florida? Like why weren't there more kids? kids at this school. It was just like, I mean, it was a private school. You had to pay to go there. And like most people just sent their kids to public school because why yes, wouldn't they you? Should. Yeah, yeah. Like, but my mom was short. We, we don't have time to get we into all that. We don't have time to get into all that. But I know that the girls, there weren't any girls in, in any grades above us, that we were we were the limit. <laughs> wow. So, like, the schools kept expanding as we grew. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of the girls, you know, a year or two below me. We all picked certain in-sync uh, members to gravitate towards and whatnot. But Leo was too, I didn't like his haircut, mm. and he was too boyish for me. I just wasn't, you know, I was like, there's a cute boy in my class. Like he's actually here. That's, I'm Hmm. cool with that. And he has brown hair and brown eyes. So you were never somebody who got into like really obsessed with whether it was an NSYNC member or, or some actor. Not at that age. Uh, I did like get really obsessed with Wesley on the show Angel when I started watching that. So it was like that kind of weird thing. And then seeing you and McGregor and Moulin Rouge ruined my life. (laughs) That I think is true for a lot of millennial women. I think (laughs) you and McGregor was very formative. Oh Yeah. Like, I remember not really caring about him at all in The Phantom Menace, and then Mm. seeing Moulin Rouge and being like, What the fuck? What the fuck? He can do that? It was crazy. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I was into, like, men-men, which isn't, like, awesome, but, like, that was the kind of vibe that I gravitated towards. So like Leo wasn't really doing it, doing much for me Hmm. at that point in my development. Okay. But I'm sure Kate Winslet was doing a lot for you. Well, okay. So (laughs) what can Kate Winslet do for you? I mean, you know, Kate Winslet is amazing. Uh, What's interesting, though, is that I remember seeing the movie and enjoying myself. But all three and a half hours in a theater. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty... I just, it was, it's just, we'll get into, like, why it's a good movie. Yeah. But what happened was, there was the backlash to Titanic, and it was specifically kind of centered around the male backlash, which is just, a, like, uh, it's a chick flick. Yeah. It's a It's a movie for women. Which is so weird. And, like, because the first hour and a half is a melodrama, it is a romantic drama, there was also just that, like, men can't, like 
romance. Ugh. You know, fellas, is it gay to... To romance a lady. Right. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And so I had to basically go along. Didn't have to, but oh. I chose to. Oh, no. I oh, went along so and was just like, yeah, yeah, it's stupid. This is for girls. I don't like it. I internalized that and was just like, didn't like Titanic for many years. Oh, just that's a kind shame. of based on that alone. I did see it again and I think I enjoyed it, but also was just like, eh, it's cool when the boat starts sinking. Yeah, there was, that's the good part. There were so many people I remember saying, myself included, yeah. I don't want to let myself off the hook here, uh, people saying like, uh, you know, it's it's so lame until the boat sinks. Then it's badass mm-hmm. and it's cool. And like, it is cool. It is. It's so it's, cool. It looks amazing. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, but it also like, come on, it's it's good. So much of that second half works, not just because the effects are amazing and whatever, but the, it pays off so many things that yeah. have been planted in that first half of romance melodrama that's why it works just character building yeah. uh just figuring out who these people are setting up the class divide setting up like rose and jack and uh billy zane just being this arch evil uh, oh, villain so and i think it's worth kind of diving into the criticisms yeah. not just of kind of shitty teen boys like myself but also the general kind of backlash to titanic because it won a bunch of oscars and it was for many years the biggest film of all time. Mm-hmm. So naturally there's gonna be backlash. And like it's not a perfect movie. No. You know, no. It's, it's a little long. It's long. There, it's really this, long. It didn't need to be quite there that were, long. There were some trims that could have been made. You know, it's a little indulgent in parts, but it's also an incredible bit of filmmaking. What I find interesting, having seen it now for the first time in I don't know, a couple of decades. Yeah, it's been a it's been a very long time. Very for long me. time. But like watching the style of the dialogue and the acting, that was the big thing that everyone was just like, the acting's bad. The dialogue is so cheesy. Watching it now, I was anticipating that. And Jesus, people missed the fucking point. It's very clearly playing on 30s and 40s Hollywood melodrama. Like, it's written like a crackling romantic comedy Mm -hmm. or drama. Like, it's written as though it's meant to be spoken by Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, and I mean, Kate Winslet does a pretty great job with, like, Rose gets a lot of incredible burns. She does. Rose burn. (laughs) Nice. It is very stylized. There is the aspect of, like, yeah, Cameron was clearly going for a, you know, an old Hollywood feel to these characters, But also, the world that Rose herself inhabits, the world of first class, is a world in which... There's an affect. There's an affect, and yeah, your entire life is performance. Right. That's why it's so jarring to see, you know, the first class people continue the performance long after there is no one to perform for. Yeah, when everything is broken down and chaos has erupted, they're still doing that. But really, it is just like... The setting, the style, this is meant to convey an old-fashioned sense of Hollywood filmmaking. You know, it's on this grand sort of cinemascope kind of production. And I'm annoyed at all the critics, the the professional fucking critics, Mm. who looked at this and was just like, 
oh, it's hacky dialogue. Like, no, man, that's the point. You know, James Cameron, it's not like all of his movies had this style of dialogue. Like, right. you don't Terminator. Go back, Terminator 2, <laughs> Aliens. The Abyss. Like, the Abyss. Like, he knows how to write for the genre. I'm also going to defend the dialogue as not hacky in any way, intentional or like, I think it's good. Like, I think the problem is, or one of the problems is that the late nineties were peak irony. It was the time of Daria of South Park. Sincerity was gauche. Well, this was, and this movie is all oops, all sincerity. Yeah, this is sort of peak Gen X, at least within the culture. Mm. I know it's sort of peak of baby boomer earnings and all that stuff. But like Gen Xers were becoming adults. They, they were becoming a cultural force. Yeah, I mean, they had taken control of the culture. And part of that was MTV, Beavis and Butthead. The Simpsons, South Park, Daria. And yeah, just that sarcastic, mm-hmm. you know, cynical, world-weary. No room for this kind of people connecting with each other and falling in a form of love I mean, very quickly. Like, it's a pretty drastic circumstance. Like, if I think I'm going to die, I'm going to tell the person I'm with and that I just had, like, really amazing sex with. I'm going to be like, I love you. Because why not? And also, again, like the style of old. Hollywood, you know, you had characters confessing their love for each other within like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like that was the style of those films. And this is obviously playing on those tropes in a good way. He also like genuinely seems to see her in a way that she is not seeing. Like, I don't know. I get it. Even if like Leo in that era is not my type. I fully understand why you would be like, oh, like. I mean, these are two very attractive people. Come on. Uh, and like, he's got that nice little monologue when they invite him to dinner. Yeah. That's very, you know, I could see the appeal. Of course. Oh my God. For, especially for someone who is as young as Rose is supposed to be, like, that's catnip. Are you kidding of me? Of course. And actually, jumping off the Leo thing, like, it's easy to forget what a force he was in, in the late 90s. Yeah. Just like, he was the it guy. He was the it boy. And it makes sense, you know. He's good. Well, he's, he's good, good in this. He's very charming and good. He's good in it and he's hot. And like, I think without diving too deeply into it, there is that old chestnut of, oh, teen girls like this. It must yes, be bad. It I must be so. bad. Teen girls and like, I'm very certain there was a huge swath of middle-aged women Mm -hmm. who were really into this because like, I don't know, this movie does have something for everyone, but also like, I am a woman who is entering middle age now. I'm getting (laughs) close. Mm -hmm. Like I love romance and rom-coms, but I also love like really amazing action set pieces. This movie has everything for me. And I think, you know, if there hadn't been that backlash against, oh, teen girls like it, it must be bad. If it hadn't been such just an enormous phenomenon of a film, I think you would have had people cutting it more slack because like you said, it has something for everyone. If you are a man and you really hate romance or a woman, I guess, if you're anybody who- You can just focus on like the eye candy of the first half. You get to see some boobies and that's fun. And then, I mean, the action is genuinely exciting and well-made. Yeah. Again, it's James Cameron. He is good at this. 
this. Yeah. It is one of those things where like, I have no personal investment in James Cameron and people's perception of him. I, I could not care less if like people think he's amazing, want to cancel him, whatever. Like, Do people want to cancel I don't James think, I don't think so. Oh. But like, I don't care whether he is correctly rated or not <laughs> among the, the filmmaker pantheon or whatever. But like, this movie is a fucking achievement. Yeah. I know I went off on a bit of a tangent when we did Terminator 2, but I feel like it's worth reiterating. He is one of the best filmmakers alive today. And my big criticism of James Cameron is that he doesn't do more movies, but that's even just like, just selfish. Like I would just like to see him do more because my least favorite of his films is probably Avatar, but I still had a good time watching it in the theater. Like seeing it in 3D... I had smoked some weed in the parking lot. You know, it was the first 3D movie I'd ever seen. I had a great time. Oh, man. And like, yeah, watching it again at home was like, oh. Oh, (laughs) boy. It might be his weakest film aside from like Piranha uh, 3D or whichever one he did. But it's still an achievement. And like, I would prefer he not keep doing the Avatar movies. Uh, But also like. uh, But he's earned it. And what you said about like what people think of him, whether they rate him correctly or not, I guarantee you he doesn't give a shit either. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He has all of the money like, and all of the prestige, all of the... Yeah. like. He's won the Oscars. He had the second and first biggest movies on Earth for years. Mm-hmm. And it's arguable. I think like now Avatar might have retaken the lead over Avengers. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. Mm. Maybe Avengers is bigger now, but ultimately, you know, it doesn't... Quee gives a shit. It doesn't actually matter. Yeah. And he gets to do whatever he wants. He lives in New Zealand. He's he, making this Avatar movie. He's doing documentaries in the ocean. Like, he's living his best life. Truly. And good for him, I guess. I don't know if he's an asshole. I don't know if he sucks. You know, I, I hear he was at the very least a pretty probably, shitty husband probably not a great like, husband but also again selfishly, i'm not i'm not marrying him like I that is that. one like art separating art from the artist thing where like if you are not outright abusive right. like the fact that you're not a good partner i'm not dating it you. doesn't concern me and personally speaking his movies have given me a lot of entertainment yeah and if it turns out there's something truly heinous about him like a polanski kind of situation i will revisit that yeah but for the time being terminator 2 titanic true lies there are even the first terminator terminator's fucking it's great. Really great aliens aliens is so good i mean the man's given me hours of entertainment yeah of really really good entertainment he yeah. could have like given titanic an hour-long haircut maybe and that would have been fine <laughs> sure well maybe not, not an, an hour. hour honestly well that's like was, 45 minutes let's so say. that was kind of something uh that surprised me re-watching this is how quickly it moved along it does I, you know like we we paused uh at halftime for a taco bell break which uh, was a great choice <laughs> a I'm plus glad, glad you suggested it <laughs> crunch wrap supreme oh, fantastic <laughs> it moves along yeah you don't feel the length of the movie while you're watching the movie because you are genuinely engrossed in what is happening. And this movie is one that I like to use a lot as an example when people talk about like, oh, spoilers. It's like, I know that I'm a bit of an outlier. I'm a bit of an extremist when it comes to spoilers, but I think there is very little that 
can spoil one's enjoyment of a genuinely good movie. Sure. We know the Titanic sinks. We know Jack dies, and yet it's enthralling the whole time. One of the reasons he's able to be so efficient is the sincerity and the, like, people saying what they mean type of, of dialogue, where you know who Jack is very, very quickly. You know who Rose is? Very, very quickly. Also because old Rose is telling you. But within a few minutes, you know who people are. You know the worlds. You've set them up Mm -hmm. very efficiently. And we can go. We're on the ship uh, within 20 minutes. And we know everybody. And we're off on this adventure. And I want to talk about the spoiler thing. But I feel like we're already off on a tangent. Oh, right, right, right. I don't know. I'm done with my... Well, no. Because I have thoughts on spoilers. But also I have thoughts on movie length because I feel like it's very in vogue these days to talk about a movie being a tight 90. I mean, we we are proponents of the tight 90. We are. I am. I love a good tight 90. We just watched Evil Dead 2 last night and that's That's an 80 minute movie. That's an 80 minute movie and it's fantastic. But with that being said, I'm more and more of the mind that it's not about, it's not about the length, it's how you use it. Oh. Where it's... (laughs) It's about the pacing. It's just about the pacing. You can have a three-hour movie if you do it right. And a movie that was shooting around the same time, you know, a couple years later, was Fellowship. Mm -hmm. Also a pretty long movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. A very long movie, and all three of the Lord of the Rings movies are all very long, but they're Mm well-paced, they move along, they're enjoyable and rewatchable, just like Titanic. Mm -hmm. And then if you go and watch, like, Peter Jackson's King King Kong, Kong, also very long, and you feel it. Every It is interminable, and I think it comes down to really scene length more than anything, Mm. where King Kong has scenes that just go on, whereas... Fellowship, Titanic, like yeah. the scenes all play out fairly efficiently. Or, or if they are long, they're long they for long, a reason. they're long for a reason. And it's usually like a genuinely innovative action sequence. Right. Like for me, I'm thinking of Titanic's everything. <laughs> <laughs> really, all of it just feels very innovative and the danger is so real yeah. and so consequential. It was funny to remember a lot of the praise of Titanic was around its special effects, Mm -hmm. like its computer-generated effects. And there are some impressive effects. But like the special effects to me kind of pale in comparison to just the enormous actual practical sets that they built. Yeah. Uh, These water effects, like they did not have the technology to do water like CGI not water. That you can kind, do not really that kind of. No, you can do really good CGI water these days, but not in 97. Mm-mm. All the water you see when the when like any close up of like the ship itself, that's real. Mm-hmm. They had a real tank and it looks fucking great. Like you feel scared watching yeah. people running away from this water. I mean, seeing it hit the stunt people and they yeah. react their screams, you're like, "Oh god, I really hope that's just some acting." Yeah. You know? There was some real <laughs> Really impressive filmmaking in here in terms of just what they were able to build and shoot and just how goddamn dangerous how do you and do complicated any of that yeah i just kept wondering that and like part of the answer is 200 million dollars sure. which was the budget sure. uh which is like that was a lot of money in it's 1997 a lot of money uh it's a fair amount of money now but the thing is is you do see every dollar on screen that's kind of the thing is like 
a lot of movies nowadays, I guess in just adjusted for inflation, most of them probably do not cost the equivalent of Titanic, mm-hmm. but they cost a lot of money and they don't look that good. Mm-mm. It's just sort of a gray slurry. Whereas Titanic looks, the colors are great. The, the are effects amazing. are great. The practical stunts and effects are the amazing. shot of... Uh, oh, Kate yeah, we Winslet, were talking about this. Like the shot of Kate Winslet being lowered in the lifeboat and she's looking up at Leo and the camera looking up at Leo and there's fireworks exploding behind him and it just looks incredible. It's a better looking shot than like 90% of all shots that have ever, ever been, been put to yeah. film. I remember several years ago. When Life of Pi came out. Uh, this is going to be oh, a bit yeah. of a tangent Everyone as well. really... I never saw it. It was fine. I actually didn't hate it. Like, I, I know there was a lot of pushback against mm. it. I thought it was fine. Mm. And it was a technical achievement. Ang Lee's a great filmmaker. He is. So I don't want to, like, shit on Life of Pi. But I got in an argument with a friend of mine because it was like, Life, Life of Pi and Gravity both came out around the same time. And they're both technical achievements. We got in an argument about what cinematography is like sort of the, oh gosh the nature of cinematography and he had what i thought were good points like i, I didn't have a good way to counter him at the time <laughs> where he was like look whether it's done in a computer or in real life it is how a shot is staged composed lit how it looks in in the final scene like on screen and i think technically he might be right but i think there is a fundamental disagreement and kind of where i've ended up landing on this is like you can make a beautiful shot in a computer and i don't want to say you can't yeah it's an art it is an art and they are artists for doing it but i think cinematography is light reacting against surfaces Mm -hmm. it is how light interacts with skin with metal with wood, with whatever is in your scene. And it is how you manipulate all of those factors to create your image. And I don't think computers should be involved in cinematography as cinematography. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have CGI. Right. That doesn't mean like computers don't have a part to play. But as incredible as Gravity, Life of Pi, mm-hmm. Avatar are... Yeah. I don't think that should actually count as cinematography. So it has its own set of challenges to be sure, but you aren't quite under the same constraints as you are. They're different art forms. Literally in a water tank, right? With a hundred stunt people. And uh, like, you can tell, I don't know exactly how they got the shot, but that shot of Leo, that low angle shot from Kate's point of view, where you see the flare going off mm-hmm. in the background. Like, I don't know exactly if that flare was CGI, but they clearly used a light Something. to simulate mm-hmm. that flare against Leo's skin, against the the metal of the boat. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. Uh, Like he's backlit, he's got this nice halo to him, like it's real. And I think that matters. I think that's an important distinction to make. So uh, Matt, if you're listening, that's uh, my retort to our, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) five-year-old argument. And if you want to uh, re-engage, you can come on the pod or start your own, man. I don't know. Hope you're doing well. I have to figure out which Matt this is because you have like six friends named Matt. I know so many Matts. But anyway, so like as much credit as this movie deserves for its very impressive CGI, especially for the time, I think its practical effects are genuinely stunning. Oh, yeah. The water is what's really impressive because... It's a film. You're working with lights and yeah. grip equipment and actors. And How the, did people did did people get electrocuted on Titanic? Not to my knowledge, maybe they did, but like 
Jesus, the the logistical nightmare of this. And it is funny. They had lights exploding. Yeah. Was that CGI? No, I think those were real sparks, real. but you don't need an actual exploding light. Like you can I know, but you still just, it looks it looks, it looks amazing. Great. Uh it's funny too, like just gonna beat this drum one more time. When Titanic was in production, there were so many kind of horror story reports about like it's a troubled production. This is gonna be the biggest flop of all time. This is gonna ruin the studios. It was both 20th Century Fox and Paramount teaming up to bring Produce this movie. This, which is kind of wild. I've never known of Paramount yeah. and 20th to work together, but uh, And they certainly won't now. Uh, they won't now. Yeah, this would have been a boondoggle if it had failed. I remember people were making fun of it before it ever came out. Like, I remember reading in, I don't know, Newsweek or whatever my dad subscribed mm. to about the troubled production and James Cameron throwing a fit about some shot that got fucked up yeah. and like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. And like, guess what, man? It grossed $2 billion. Which is crazy. But also like, of course, a $200 million picture. <laughs> I feel, like my, I feel like yeah. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> what a picture. What a picture. Uh, but of course, a $200 million film that like has this level of insane effects, sets, like, of course, things are not going to go very smoothly. Like, right. that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Lord I, of the I, Rings was a nightmare, too. I mean, come on. Like, there were so... Every production that is extremely large and, like, does this kind of, like, very risky type of filmmaking. Like, yeah, of course it's a risk. And, like, of course the production is troubled. Like, I've never known a production to not be troubled. Sure. I remember everyone talking about when Avatar was coming out. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to be the biggest flop of all time. And then it became the biggest movie of all time. And what's everyone doing right now before Avatar 2 comes out? What is, what's everyone saying? I think people are predicting that our, uh, people aren't going to go see it. That it's going to be a giant flop mm -hmm. and it's going to fail miserably and it's going to be a gigantic disaster. And maybe it will be. Or I'm, it, maybe it'll just be mediocre. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it'll just be a, a movie. It's not where I'm putting my money. You've said this before, but it's unwise. It's unfucking wise man. I don't get why people keep doing this. You keep betting against James Cameron. Yeah. And this doesn't, this is not to say that like we're pro movies making billions of dollars or I'm whatever. I'm pro good movies making billions of I, dollars. Yeah, sure. Uh, or like pro like studios getting lots of money. Sure. But he does have a track record he, of the man makes hits. <laughs> like, the ratio of misses to hits is... is zero? Is, is zero. Negligible? He's never... His first movie he ever made, I think, wasn't a hit. Ever since then, it's been nothing but hits. Oh, yeah. It was Piranha 2, The Spawning. Piranha 2. Okay. So he made one flop and nothing but hits since then. Terminator 2 was so good that they keep making more Terminator movies that Despite are garbage. <laughs> Aliens was so good that they keep making alien movies... <laughs> Despite the fact that they're garbage. It's funny that it became like Ridley. I know Ridley Scott did the first one, which is and fantastic. It's so good. It's fantastic. Yeah, let's not. No, no. I, and I mean, I love Ridley Scott. Um, yeah. The Last Duel was amazing. Dude, ghosts, you know, everyone see The Last Duel. It's, it's actually great. very, it's very so good. good. But like, it's funny that Alien kind of became Ridley Scott's franchise when it could have just as easily been James Cameron's. Like, it's funny that he got Terminator instead. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that played out that way. Maybe he just 
didn't like his experience on it or what, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird that people keep doing that. I could be proven wrong. Avatar 2 might be a gigantic, colossal failure. It'll be the first though. Oh, uh, we wanted to just give a little shout out to the late, great Bill Paxton. Oh man. It's so funny. There's like three or four different movies in Titanic. Uh, and it is a, it is a genuine miracle that it all works tonally. Yeah. Uh, even the phrase, like, I don't mind the framing device. I thought I was going to be really like, look, everything about Titanic is great except for the framing device. But like, I do enjoy the framing device and it's mostly because of Bill Paxton. I feel like I've talked about this before, but another kind of accolade to throw at James Cameron is his understanding of Bill Paxton (laughs) and how he uses him correctly in a way that I'm not sure a lot of other filmmakers fully understood. And that's not to say he didn't do any other great movies. Bill Paxton, he did many, including Twister. uh, Twister. But James Cameron always made Bill Paxton a bit of a schmuck and a fuck up. Yeah. Like he's a kind of a loser in Titanic. He's a stand in for all the people who like, you don't know, get it, view man. the Titanic as just like a treasure. Like, yeah, a treasure know. hunt. It's of a piece with all of Bill Paxton's other characters in other James Cameron movies, like True Lies. He's a gigantic fucking... I still haven't seen... I mean, it's great. We'll, we'll watch that. Yeah, no, there's there's probably some... There's definitely some stuff that hasn't aged super well in True Lies. I don't know. But Bill Paxton is amazing in it. He's amazing in Aliens. Game yeah, over, man. Yeah. Game over. He like, is amazing in Aliens. He just always that has That might be this... the peak of, like, harnessing the Bill Paxton powers. Yeah. Like, he always just has this sort of unhinged energy to him that he could harness so well and did in other films as well. But I I just, I always love him in James Cameron's stuff because he just has like an extra layer of the glimmer in his eye of, mm-hmm. of mild insanity. Yeah. We were saying like, kind of like how we, or at least I personally mourn Gandolfini mm-hmm. and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah. And how much I would have loved to have seen like 20 or 30 more years of both of them just performances that we didn't get and it still kind of sucks like yeah. it, it, it's a bummer to think about paxton's in that group and he deserves to be kind of mentioned along with them of just somebody who had so many more great every, performances every time you saw bill paxton you were like oh hell yeah like oh okay i can rest assured that like even if the rest of us isn't amazing like bill paxton is a good time even in a role as small as Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, Die, Repeat. That's right. He's uh, great in it. He's so good in that. Yeah. And it's like, a you know, not not a huge role, nope. but like he's fantastic. God, that's a great movie. I just rewatched that again it's recently. It's so good. Just a, a little shout out. Truly missed. Yeah. It is interesting to think about the number of iconic moments in cinema that Titanic is responsible for. You know, it had been so long since we'd both seen it. And my experience of the movie is very meme based at this point. Yeah. And so to actually like go to the source and like fully immerse yourself in these moments and seeing how earned all of them are, some of it's a little corny, but that goes back to opening yourself up to like experiencing sincerity. sincerity. And being okay with that. And the style of the movie. The style of the movie. And, you know, stuff like Billy Zane's performance we haven't talked oh, about. Oh, God. He's, he's amazing. And, it like, it's a performance that borders on camp. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, 
that the line reading of I have a child is just it it that line reading feels kind of camp to me I th- and I love it. Yeah, it's that kind of style that we've seen um in some other 90s movies like Verhoeven does it really mm-hmm. well. Disney animated movies did it Disney really well. Disney animated movies were fantastic. The Disney Renaissance movies had villains much like this. Based in camp like Ursula, Jafar, Even Scar, Scar, definitely Scar. Like, you know, just like these sort of camp arch villains. Yeah, or at least camp adjacent, if not fully camp. No, these aren't divine in a John Waters movie, but they are clearly influenced by true camp. And, you know, I understand why we have these sort of more complex, more, you know, grounded, grounded, layered villains who have some traumatic backstory and have their reasons. And like, that can make for an interesting character. And I don't think you should get rid of that entirely. No, there's room for that. There's room for that. There's plenty of room for it. But I do miss just a good old-fashioned pure evil villain yeah. who you're just like, I'm rooting against this guy. I can't wait until he, he gets his He's comeuppance. He's bully. He's just this evil, self-centered, narcissistic bully. And I can't wait until the stock market crashes and he, he blows his brains out. That's great. Sticks a pistol in his mouth. Yeah. As, uh, as Rose says. As old Rose old says. Rose. God, she's so fucking old. She's so old, but she's still doing pottery when still we see pottery. her. Pottery, yeah, she's still living her best life, and then she's, just goes and dies on that guy on poor Bill Paxton's right? ship. It's like, oh my god, oh, what do we, what do we do here? Shit. At least like her next of kin is here. So, I, it's a great bit on her part to like. Go make them sit through a three-hour story about her fucking some kid. And then she throws the diamond in the ocean and dies. That's actually iconic. Actually iconic. A truly iconic bit. Good for her. Just like, oh, this is your problem now. I and could never. You're not getting rich And you're not either. getting rich. You just have to deal Eat with my shit. dead body. On this Russian ship, yeah. that it's never explained why it's a Russian ship. That's, That's fascinating. They commandeered it, like I guess, because maybe they could set off from the Arctic to get there. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's a good question. Anyway, I, I don't actually need an answer no. to this. I don't care. I don't actually care, but it is kind of funny. Yeah, that, like yeah, all right, sure. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to Old Rose for just owning everybody, giving no fucks. <laughs> It's a great, it's so, it's very funny. Truly, truly wonderful. And like, that is something that I would not have been able to appreciate as a kid or probably even in my early 20s. But now that I'm entering my old age. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Turns 35. (laughs) Hey, I still have a few months to go before turning 35, but I'm like, yes, sunny. (laughs) Like, I get it. I can empathize with the 101 year old. Just Titanic survivor. Oh, yeah. And shout out to Bernard Hill. Bernard. Bernard. Who is, of course, the doomed captain and uh, fucks up and <laughs> pretty dies really, yeah. pretty, pretty badly. Pretty, uh, yeah. Uh, but what else is, uh, for our listeners who don't know, what else is uh, Bernard Hill known for? Where is the horse and the rider? Where is... 
sorry. Anyway, he's uh, he's Theoden King in The Lord of the Rings. Dude went like from the biggest movie of all time to the next biggest movies of all time. Yeah, just pretty amazing. I can't imagine. You know, I'm I don't know his history, but I'm assuming he was a working actor for many probably years. Probably did a lot of theater. A lot of theater, probably some TV and a stuff. A lot of murder mysteries. Uh, and just imagine like being a, a working actor, doing your day job, getting by, making a good little living, and then suddenly you're in Titanic and the Lord of the Rings within like a year of each other, maybe two That's years. amazing. Uh, but like that is insane to just go from those two movies or the two four movies technically and he's just been working steadily ever since yeah and also to turn in two great performances in both of those like memorable there's just a there's a sad dignity to his work like yeah you even though he's kind of the guy who fucked up a bit you still feel genuine like sympathy for him there's so much in his eyes everything that he's he knows is convey. wrong yeah you know yeah it's a great performance sort of underrated in this movie because this, this movie's got a lot of there's people a lot. A lot kathy of, bates is so good in this a lot of ringers um rose's mom she's been in a million things yeah She's great. Like, again, another sort of arch villain. Yeah. But even her, but even she, like, she gets... She gets a little sympathy moment. She gets that great line of what, you know, when Rose is like, it's unfair, and her mom is like, we're yeah. women. Of course what it's other unfair. Cho- what other choice do we have? Like, uh And it's like, damn, a rich white dude really wrote that like yeah cameron is interesting for his shockingly good politics despite his immense wealth immense and wealth power. and like again like he has a history of probably not treating the women in his life like super, super well. amazingly seem like he's a great husband but yeah he he can write you know like I, there are a lot of valid criticisms against avatar for it's obviously based on native americans and that's a little weird yeah, to make them dicey. aliens that's like not, it, it's uh, it's a little squishy that. i don't love that but his heart i think is in the right place there yeah. like the messaging is not something you see in a lot of other massive yeah and budget like movies. rose is a very fully realized character like yeah. you know kathy bates's character is interesting like you get a lot of feminine perspective and like you know of course this is all white people like you know you get one shot of a syrian family trying to read yeah. you know how trying to they're trying father to is trying to translate so they can know where to go uh to get to the top decks the class politics are simple but like I, okay that's fine i think there's actually a place for very simple clarity clarity and particularly when it comes to something like class politics gender politics like for these big budget action movies like you don't really have the attention span afforded to you to really get into the nitty gritty of have, you don't have to read the capital com- yeah to like understand like oppression right and cameron's again like verhoven is very good at just saying something very simple like hey americans shouldn't go and just kick the native people out of their land to get the resources we shouldn't lock the lower class people below decks to drown to death you know Um, oh what doesn't it suck shit that like the people who built the ship and who labor in its belly are like the first to die the first to die they're not even filling the boats to capacity because they don't want to crowd the rich people i mean terminator 2 is sort of like hey cops are bastards yeah there's 
there's kind of a in both Terminators, there's an anti-authoritarianism mm-hmm. to it that you can definitely read into. I mean, it's the government and and the authority figures that create Skynet. Mm-hmm. True Lies is probably the one with the worst politics, but it's also the one that's just basically played for laughs. Mm. Like, it's sort of a play on a spy movie. It is a spy movie, but it's kind of a silly... It's his most comedic, and it ends up being maybe his most politically sort of tone deaf, Mm. interestingly. But otherwise, like, the guy's pretty good. Like, he's he's not Verhoeven, but he's pretty good when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, you know, to pack as much in as he does... Again, this Titanic is, like, three or four very different movies. Yeah. There's... You know, amidst your action, you have horror. You know, this isn't straight action. It's horror. It's the horror of, like, the sea. And drowning. And the, the ocean is terrifying. Yeah. It will consume you. In a pretty awful way. Yeah. Like We shouldn't be out there. The hubris of man. Seeing Rose try and navigate the ship as it's filling with water, there's, like, genuine horror trying mm-hmm. to, you know, turning one way, and there's more water, so you have to go the other way, even though there's a lot of water there too and it's just like ah which what's gonna happen even though we know we what's know. going to happen but like we know she lives the tension is unbeatable i like had to avert my gaze sometimes <laughs> well uh okay so we can circle back to spoilers real quick because we we didn't oh uh, yeah your thoughts my thoughts honestly it's just kind of movie dependent like when i saw parasite I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was good. And I specifically tried to avoid knowing before I saw it because people kept saying no as little as possible before you go in. And I think that really helped in that first viewing. Since then, I've gone back and rewatched that movie a bunch of times, and I enjoy it more and more. But there is that initial thrill of not knowing what's going to happen and then everything everywhere all at once I was just is thinking another that, one yeah. where it's just like, I only knew that it was about kind of a multiverse. A multiverse type thing. Everything Otherwise, else. Uh, and it's been annoying to see a lot of articles about like, people love multiverses. It's like, people love movies that are told well. Yeah, this like, is it's a good movie. It just a, happens to use that as like, you know, a, a device. It's a coincidence uh, that it's also a multiverse movie when there are a bunch of Marvel multiverse movies coming out. It's not really related at mm-hmm. all. If it had been a shitty movie, you it wouldn't would have died. Yeah, it would have just died on the vine. I do appreciate not being spoiled on stuff, and sure. I, I like to avoid spoilers. But then there are movies where I'm actually really impressed kind of watching this movie again where you know from the beginning that Mm -hmm. rose lives the titanic sinks jack dies you know right away all those things you know the ending of the movie basically from the The beginning go yeah and it doesn't ruin the movie no and that's kind of amazing that is the power of cinema is drawing you in despite knowing what what happens but you don't know how it's you know ditto Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, everyone knows how Romeo and Juliet ends. We've known for 500 years. It's almost like just good storytelling is what matters. Yeah, Mystery fucking solved. Like, make me care about these people. That's that's what it really is, is make me care about these people. So even though I know what happens to them, I'm going to go, no, but what if? What if that 
isn't right? What if like that maybe, isn't actually what maybe happened? Maybe he does survive. Maybe he does survive. But it's it's been interesting. So like the multiverse articles I've been seeing, but also at this moment, Netflix is having a little identity crisis. A lot of people are writing articles about like how Netflix can fix itself. And it really is just like for Netflix or any other streamer or studio, make thing good. Make good things. Make me care about the people I'm watching. Yeah, it is really straightforward. Netflix had a lot of good shows uh, in the beginning, and I'm not going to say there aren't any good Netflix shows now. That's all you have to do is make shows and movies that are good and rewatchable with good characters who you care about. They don't have to be good people. They just have to be fun characters to watch, and you'll do fine. Yeah. Like, that's it. It doesn't even have to be in English. No. Fucking Squid Game is their biggest uh, show of all time, and it's because it was mostly well-made. Yeah. There's no mystery, and I get Make me care about these people. You know, all of online digital media is just about, like, generating clicks, so you have to create a mystery where there isn't one. But, like, if you watch Titanic, you know what happens, but you care because it's well-made. Because it's well-made, because Kate Winslet is so watchable, because Leo's is watchable. very watchable. He is. He's so good in this. Like, like I, I won't hear a word from anyone about, like, uh, the acting is cheesy, the dialogue is cheesy. The screenplay is great. The screenplay for this is genuinely good. I will, like, defend basically every line reading. Oh, the only thing I won't defend is, like, I don't think it's actually possible to be racist against the Italians, <laughs> but I think James Cameron Please, found know. a way to be a little racist against the Italians. It's basically just doing a Mario voice. He is. He's just doing a Mario. Mamma mia. And he doesn't really say much of anything. No. Like, he just kind of exclaims. And then just gets crushed by a smokestack. Oh, God. Fabrizio. Oh, Fabrizio. He deserved better. He did. Uh, He doesn't even get a last name. No, he doesn't. Um, I'm going to stand by that you can't be racist against uh, the Italians. Yeah, I don't actually think this is racist against Italians, but it's funny to say. very funny. Oh, one thing that we didn't discuss and that I insisted. This is actually just a little anecdote about us watching this movie. So the movie ends and Celine Dion's uh, My Heart Will Go On starts to play over the credits. And I'm noticing that we're sitting through the credits. Steve has not stopped the movie. And I look over at him. And what what did you say? You have to wait for the chorus. Do, okay. Isn't that what I said? Is that yeah, not what I said? That okay. is. That is yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to wait. Look, there's so much buildup in that song, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's against the law, mm. from what I understand. Yeah. To stop <laughs> music law. It's against music law to stop that song before the chorus. You mm-hmm. have to get that. Mm-hmm. Or else you go to bed unfulfilled. Like you, oh, ha- we can't I, have that. You can't have you that. Can't have that. Anyway, I just wanted you all <laughs> listening to to experience this side of Steve. He might edit this out oh, if I'm he does. Okay, it. good because it was just very wonderful to <laughs> look over and have him just be like, oh, "You ha- you have to like you have to wait to the chorus of." The song that you just couldn't not hear in... Oh, my God. It was everywhere. From 1997 to, like... I don't know. 2002? Yeah, it was absolutely everywhere. And even now, I still hear it. You still hear it sometimes. Grocery stores. It's a banger. Yeah. And it was another thing, sort of like the movie itself, where I was like, ugh, it's lame. This is for girls. It's, you know, can't... Another one where secretly you're just like... You just like that... that, (laughs) 
<laughs> picture the, the, of the kid the, just the white cat yeah, bopping, bopping along. his head exactly i think we all need to admit to ourselves that celine dion can sing a fucking ballad she man she can sing a fucking ballad whitney is the queen well sure whitney is the queen celine is the canadian queen <laughs> the duchess Sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the premiere. <laughs> anyway, she's great. Uh, it's a good song. I hear her Vegas show is great. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a delight. Uh, anyway, yeah, so near, far, wherever you are, we hope you have enjoyed this episode of Mission Recall. See you next time.